can't win. He got checked, the champ. It's going to get desperate. But a champion becomes a legend. From, from, from the card leave in the pool. Gate holes months ago. Here he comes. Boom, right over the top. But the boost, it is 15, lands clear. She'll have to pogo stick over the field to win from there. Strike me, Pinky, threaded the eye of the needle. Can he stay puffed? Head stayed all closing time. This could be set up for something special. Cassidy has to pull the whip. to the Racing and Sports in the Office review podcast, looking back at what a tricky meeting to review, Adam. Given the chaos that was at Randwick, really how heavy the track was, you'd be confident in saying a large number of horses in every race didn't handle the track, which leads to some obscure results, you could say. The highest rated horse of the weekend, not a surprise what race, but from a market perspective, a surprise winner and think it over. Yeah, and I think that was the story of the day, wasn't it? it was um, the ground raced, by my measure of things, even more testing than it did seven days ago. So it was really, really testing out there, and we saw it bring plenty of horses unstuck. So it wasn't a um, – day one of the championships had its big winners and its big moments, and I think even before, you know, just enjoying it on the day as a spectacle, it's um, day one felt like a big spectacle, day two not so much. Is that just me? I think when you have of the group one winners, three of them were 30 to one or bigger. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it takes away, I guess, because you go into a meeting with expectation. Like had we gone into day one and Nature Chip gets beat and Totsu gets beat, it sort of takes away from... Yeah. Well, they feel like... And Fireburn as well. That felt like consecutive big moments, didn't mm. it? Like big sporting moments before you get to the... um you know, the measuring of things and analysing things, that, that side of it, the actual, you know, the sporting side of things felt bigger and better on day one. And obviously the, the ratings are the same. Think it over runs to 124, which is fractionally better than his Apollo rating. First up, I suppose the story of the race afterwards was, was all about Nash and, and scouting out wide. But I, the horse is just as big a story. I mean, he's a... This falls into the... Um, it might not be a great piece of form for this race. In fact... I think only Lucia Valentina's won it with a number as low or lower in modern times. So it's a it's a down race for mine because we had those. I mean, we had what was it three horses turning up off big last start peaks and wins: Animo, Montefilia, Duace, and did they run last, second last, and third last? <laughs> and they were the yeah the three big peaks and, and new exciting emerging superstars all failed, um, mm. and they failed badly enough that no one's sitting here saying that they had anything to do with this race, right? No, I think if you look at the, just at the market alone, throw in very elegant to that mix, you know, 83% of that market didn't turn up. Mm. Yeah, the race pretty much, and, and when you analyse and rate the race as well, it pretty much the whole thing is just hanging around the first, it's just rating around the first three, really. Yeah. Dale Sands pretty close to what he does. Like he Not quite as good as he was in the race last year, but very different scenario. Um, although, again, it was... And a bit surprising to me, I mean, I suppose a lot of people foresaw it, I think you probably foresaw it better than I did, but it was lower pressure than I would have thought. Mm. And they didn't really, you know, Mount Popper didn't get involved in that early speed, very elegant. I don't think she could get involved in that. I think she was in trouble further out than the ones she ended up beating home. They, She looked gone to me very early. 
on paper, you thought the ones out the back were going to play jockeys, which they did. And Jamie Carr could get an easy time in front. No one expected, think, think everyone expected think it over to be prominent. No one expected him to be prominent at the business end. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be clever after the race, you can sit there and go, well, you know, he's he and very elegant with the top of the market on heavy ground at Randwick in the Chipping Norton. It was a two-horse race that day with Montefilia and Dewace nowhere near him. Easy game, right? Just have to forgive a month of racing. So. I, I raised it this morning with you about heavy track and obviously think it over hadn't really performed at that level on a heavy track and evidenced by the market starting at 41. If that's a good track, he's single figures or close to. Uh, that sounds optimistic. He started favouring the Australian Cup. Yeah, yeah. Duace hadn't quite... Duace was coming off 100 to 1 and, you know, an eye-catching run, but she she wasn't... She didn't have on the board what she has now. There was no Montefilia. I mean, Spanish Mission was at the front of that market. So I don't think he's single figures here, no. Not off what those others had done. Like there's Animo, Montefilia, Duace were all off big, big wins. I don't think he start like he could turn up in the form of his life. He did turn up in the form of his life, but he can turn up everyone knowing he's going to do that. I think he still starts double figures to win it. I think he's double figures to have won it with that rating. Mm. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know. He he was five to one in the tankard with Jewess beating him and the wet track backed mm. it in. I don't know. It's it's an interesting anyway, it doesn't matter. Mean. He's won. I know what you mean. But I suppose the Yeah. No, oh, it's interesting. I I probably think not. Certainly shorter than forties. So in fairness to think it over, his CV would be as good, if not better, than Montefilia going into it if it wasn't for the wet tracks. Like his last 12 months, he's done more winning than her. Yeah, I think her Rambert win was, particularly the fact that she came off it into this, probably was a bit more potent, mm. if you like, or dangerous yeah. looking than think it over's going to look. But what a, you know, we've been saying that he was, you know, in this race last year, he won our fourth of the year. He did. The fourth of the year, and he's turned up 12 months later and, gone again and I mean when he ran fourth in this race last year having won the George Ryder it was already a miracle that he'd been turned into the horse that he'd been turned into. so he got beaten off benchmarks in the 60s in the 70s he got beaten I think four times off a benchmark of 85 is that right mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he won a was a Liverpool City Cup and then won a George Ryder and was gee is are we seriously saying think it over as a wait for age horse well 12 months later he's won a race that was being hyped up pre-race and probably not unfairly no as a you know big blockbuster group one, and he's turned up and, and won it, and he's won the thing. I, as you know, the thing I love about him, he's got the classic Sydney CV. He's got a rider, he's got a QE now, but he's also got the Craven, the Hill, the Liverpool City Cup, you know, proper races. He's a real horse. He's a pop-up free zone. <laughs> I like that. So think it over prior to the race. Most would label him not a wet tracker. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance that he's taught himself how to run on wet tracks, Perhaps. given? Given Sydney's wet, he would have been training on it, working on it. Like in regards to other sport, when you get thrown into conditions you don't know, you can sometimes struggle in said conditions. We saw it with the Masters. The golfers had no idea what they were doing with the wind tunnels. Yeah, Is there a chance that he's now learnt how to run a heavy track? Because it doesn't make sense that he now can, unless he's learnt. Like it's a skill, right? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that question, but that is an interesting point and you make it like, of course, Right, we've, and that's what we've said about racing good horses in good races as well. They practice. Mm. You know, Mark Leishman is good in the wind because he grew up down at the ball in the playing golf in the wind. You practice and you get good at it. So, yeah, compelling case because I mean, you know, very elegant didn't look to go a yard in it, and she no. was she's the best wet tracker in the country, isn't she? With a peak career peak performance on a good three. <laughs> <laughs> no, wet tracker, mate. 
I mean, I think a lot of the times we that's one of the great mistakes that punters there it's a fun mistake to make, but it's a you know I don't want to be the fun police here. Mm. Doing form is fun, but one of the stupid things punters do is try and jam every horse into a put uh, under a label. This horse is a good third up horse. This horse is a good this distance horse. This horse is a wet tracker. This is a dry tracker. I mean, as soon as a horse wins on a wet track, everyone forgets that it's done anything on a good track and stamps it a wet tracker. I mean, it's nonsense, right? Sometimes there's countless other reasons why these things can can happen. Run hungry hard on a wet track. Do it. They're saying she can't run on a wet track because they settled 15th of 15th and couldn't round him up in a surround. She's not that fast. It's not that she's not a wet tracker. She's slow for that. She's fast for mile and a half where she should be racing. How have I dragged it back to that? (laughs) (laughs) Touchy subject. It's interesting when you see horses build a profile that only had, say, 10 starts and they've raced on wet tracks in 7 of 10 and they're a wet tracker. Mm. Whereas if you flip the script and had those, you know, runs been on a good track, are they only good trackers? Yeah. Well, I mean, this sort of point as well is going to be very interesting for... I mean, I'm saying the last two weeks at Randwick are as the conditions are as testing as testing gets in Australia, really. Mm. Particularly for the top, you know, for top line horses in Australia, that's these are sort of conditions out on their own. And in the spring, surely La Nina's due to roll off the coast, isn't it? <laughs> so the spring come, you know, Melbourne spring, Sydney spring. What is this form? We're going to have to be tiptoeing pretty carefully. This is form in its own world a little bit. You're not going to say it means nothing because it obviously means, it means something, something, but it's a proper line in the sand job. Like Fireburn when she resumes on a good track, no idea. Yeah, well, that'll be very handy for our preview podcast because she's going in the Dunno category that day. 100%. Pencil it in. No but idea. I mean, how many of these are the same, you know, with horses that have, you know, look at a horse like Marzu who's you know, taken all before him this autumn when he turns up in the spring, mm. first up in a, you know, goes down to a manicado or something on a rattler or, you know, they they love to leave the valley nice and firm the night before, you know, is that... Well, the thing with Fireburn, what we mentioned before, she hasn't really had a chance on anything else. So maybe she isn't. Like, how yeah, do you exactly. know? Yeah, exactly. You'd be stupid to pigeonhole her. You know, that's exactly the point I was making. Don't we love to pigeonhole them? And yeah. we'll be trying. Yeah. Rebel Damon and everything, the champ. What a legend. It is funny that now he's going to have progeny to do the Triple Crown, given Piero, you know, all the sparring they did, and now his daughters. They all the sparring. I don't think they race that much. I think you're just salty you didn't beat him in that Hobartville one time, and you think <laughs> they had this great rivalry. I think they raced once or twice. <laughs> it wasn't more than that? No, I think it's just seared into your memory. Oh, I felt so. They almost had him Yeah, on the canvas. So we roll from the highest rated horse. Are we, We're staying on the same race for the flop of the week to several horses. The whole QE, really. The Queen Elizabeth was a flop. So looking at it, so very elegant, three seventy five, Animo four dollars, Juaya six fifty, Montefilia six dollars. So it's eighty three percent of the market. Failed. They got on average beat nine lengths and the medium was eight. Yeah. No, they didn't they didn't participate. As I said, the race completely it's think it over beating Zaki and Mount Popper. That's the form really. It's lucky that Nash did something amazing. Because otherwise that race is awful. Yeah. I mean I could still enjoy it for think it over. Because he's such a cracker. And I feel bad about potting the four, like talking down about it when he's won. And he's put up, you know, a, a career best performance to do it alongside his Apollo win. Um, but yeah, the race is, given what figure I think most thought might win this race. Thought we were crowning our best horse. Yeah. And it turned into, as you say, I, I couldn't even speculate as to what it was worth Nash going out into the fast lane. We didn't see enough horses do it to make any real. It was it was pretty cool watching it live on the fence. Like yeah, you, okay. you knew he had him. Yeah. 
like a fair way. Yeah, I think you could tell that on the telly as well. I don't yeah. know. I it looked a long way out that he. Yeah, oh, he's him. gone out there, and he'll have it. He's coming. Yeah, yeah. And it was, I mean, Nash I, with the elbows everywhere. I did. Yeah, he would. Didn't make any money, but it was great. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's just not the race gets the flop because it's just not the. Um, well, no one turned up. No, except for him and Saki to some extent. The other thing was that, as I said, it was low pressure. So there was a. Not only was there potentially he gained an advantage by going out there. I don't know. As I said, I think that's very speculative. I mean, it's easy to just say, yeah, he absolutely did, but. Don't know. What was it worth? What was it worth? I don't know, and I don't think there's a lot to gain by guessing, really. But he also got an advantage. I mean, it, sitting one two in the run was that was the place to be, because those horses at the back as well. When you look at the sectionals, then between I think it was about I haven't got them in front of me, but it was about thousand to the eight hundred, even thousand to the six hundred. They all had to make a big move just to get to a spot to make a move from. Mm. So as you say, they're playing jockeys back there. You know, particularly in these conditions where you know riding horses to for a turn of foot on those conditions is um. As a mugs game, mm. um, so yeah, they, those horses were at the back were disadvantaged by the pace as well as probably just not turning up, and probably the ground for a few of them as well. So there's your flop. Honorable mention to the Chris Wallace stable: twenty-one runners across Saturday, zero wins, expected wins three, and Godolphin. They saddled up a few big players on Saturday. For only one winner. They bought the heavy artillery. Put the heavy artillery, and if it wasn't for Sam Clipperton, they wouldn't have got anything. The wet track hero. The wet track hero, Valana. But Paul Lely, Honey Creeper, Animo, Colette, Emanate. All big market players who failed to really get involved. So, surprising. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of big high-profile flopperoos there, isn't there? Honey Creeper actually ran exactly the same rating. Turns out racing fast ones is harder. Yeah, it was a bit harder racing better horses. But, I mean, there was some some flops in that race as well, of sorts, hinged. Obviously didn't didn't stay. Didn't Jim. stay, yeah. yeah. And moving on to the Colin Morikara Award, good to see him back in form, ran fifth this morning in the Masters. And since we started the awards, he's actually been on the decline. So good to see a bit of bounce back this morning. and Follow. Follow. And while he didn't win it for his ride aboard Think It Over... A great ride by Nash in the provincial championships final aboard Kinlock. Yeah, that was um so while everyone's waxing about Nash heading out to the fast lane later on, um, we're waxing about his ride on Kinlock because that was paced to precision in a high pressure race. Of course it was a high pressure race, those big provincial finals are always going to be like that. And it was um Yeah, I think I think it's a pretty solid piece of form, but you'll know a lot more about it than me. But it was it was a strongly run race and returned a you know pretty good time figure for horses at that level as well. So I think bunched finish, but as I said, bunch finish, but time was good and and obviously a lot of horses are set to peak there, so it's a little bit more. You see a bunch finish often and you think, Oh, that's no good. But when you've got horses from a similar pool, obviously, they're obviously a very select pool, those the best of the top of the provincial pile, and they've all been set to peak here. So I can excuse a five within a length basically, but they're all Pretty useful horses. And I'd say if I had to come up with some label for them, I'd probably say they're on the fringes of listed class. Mm. Would that be a fair... You know more about these horses than me. Yeah, I think French Marine's the only one who really stands out there. He doesn't fit. Yeah. What are you doing there? But the rest, Kiss Sum obviously won. Famous four pillars. The four pillars. And then you've got Kinlock, who's got a nice profile. I think great news is probably... At stretch at fourteen hundred, especially in those conditions, figures have the look of a non-stayer. Yeah, so Even she, only beaten a length, but a non-stayer. So she got found out. Rustic Steel 
another horse with a nice profile, you know, beaten half a length. And I would actually say, sorry to just jump in, I would say great news is the horse I'd want to back out of this race, just looking at it. I think it's my read of that is it's run up to win and, and died on it. Back to 1,200. Back to 1,200. Find, find it somewhere, I would, I would say. Well, she never runs a bad race. I think it's one of the few times she's actually missed the top three. And you go back through a form last time in, they stretched her out to 1,400 for those group races. And she ran similar races. She was there to win and just sort of, you know, getting beat around a length. You know, it's hard to really knock the horse. But yeah, the other thing is the ground. I mean, it maybe she might get 1,400 on top of the ground. Mm. But I reckon 1,200 is her. And she, for her record, you look at it, wins. They've all been 1,200. But she's actually done a lot of racing beyond 1,200 in the sort of the last 12 months because of these races. Like yeah. these are the races you've got to target. She's got to go with these. So the stable sort of got their hands tied. But I think, you know, they'll find a nice race for it at 1,200 and should be hard to beat. There's an absolute stack of, um, like the if you want to call it, the road to the, um, I was going to call it the winter stakes, but the road to the Tats Tiara. Mm. There's just a plethora of mares, Philly's mares sprints that she'd be in. Some of them tend to, as there's so many of them that some of them tend to be weak, and I think there's probably something at Hawkesbury and Scone as well. So she's, she's one to follow. Game on, I would say, in, yeah. in some of those races because there's only so many listed Group Three sprinting mares around. Tricky if she stays around here. Obviously, the rain's not going anywhere, and the tracks aren't going to dry out anytime soon. But yeah, well, that's the other. Th- I mean, good weather doesn't. These wet tracks are different because they've been... I mean, Ramwick has been essentially... Uh, Ramwick has been heavy for two and a half months. It hasn't had a day. Like, it yeah. would have been heavy all in between, right? I mean, there's no... There hasn't been a point where it's... Yeah, so it's... There's heavy and then there's this. It's just soaked. Yeah. Maybe come October. Be about ready to <laughs> <laughs> upgrade. Great. And the Taylor Penrith Award. So, the reverse flusher for those that haven't tuned into the podcast before. So, this is for the jockey who rides the most inefficient race. And if you haven't heard of Taylor Pendrith, that's probably fair enough. But <laughs> he's in the top 150 golfers in the world, but it's his irons that let him down. Just cannot hit his irons out of the middle. And it's costing him. He's a reverse flusher. So who is the reverse flusher this week? So it's a tricky it's a tricky week actually because the way the ground was and the way – it almost I'd almost say it raced like dirt track racing a little yeah, bit. Okay. It's a little bit like that. Um, and so there's a lot of horses that are um, – there's not a lot of horses that are sort of obviously running poorly. Well, not poorly, that's not the right word. What's the right word? Running below their best because of the way they were paced. Not a lot of that, to be honest. But the one race that was, and very predictably so, low pressure, was the Arrowfield. Um, and you could argue that in the Congo is loosely in the best spot because he's leading. It might not be the best spot for him. Mm. We'll get to you because I think you're a bit salty about that, yes. I think he went too slow. Yeah. So I think and you might make a case for that because it's not playing to his strengths, but for the strength of the race and the way that he was in the best spot because they were going too slowly. I said four horses, this was maybe inevitable somewhat. But Paul Ely was in that scenario, left with too much to do. Probably raced a little bit flat off the, the backup from last week anyway, but he ran well enough to say that he turned up. I've only I got him running 109. He ran 116 last week. So he wasn't far enough off his form to say he was having a really bad day and yeah he probably would have benefited from doing more work in you know in the first half and less in the second if you like but yeah make your case for in the Congo which I loosely agree with even though by this measure he was in the best position but maybe for him and his strengths not 
I mean, what's going on with the scratchings in this race? What did they wake up in the morning and go, oh, is it heavy? We're not running. Like surely, guys, we knew it was going to be a heavy track. It was always going to be heavy. Anyway, that's another story. But I actually think the smaller field on paper looks a suit in the Congo because he's going to lead. But it actually went against him because Sam Clipperton, best wet track rider we have in the Sydney's Big Wet, was just able to dictate to Tommy. Yeah. And I think Tommy, in terms of the best form we've seen from in the Congo was the Golden Rose, high pressure 1400, and in the Galaxy first up, you know, high pressure 1100. And then here, sort of a jig-jog sprint home, that doesn't play to his strengths where Sam was just able to ride pretty much his coattails and sort of take him when he wanted. And he got to him too quick that in the Congo wasn't going to be able to fight him off. No, I can see all that. I think in the Congo and they ran a little bit below his Golden Rose number, but maybe that's part of the, the reason why. Um, I think it's an interesting race to rate as well because obviously with only four turning up, one of the bonuses of four turning up is that they keep talking about this race being upgraded to a Group 1. <laughs> Shut but up. Thankfully, the smart thing, well, it's a dumb thing they do, is when they try to measure these things to upgrade them, they use the first four horses, but they treat fourth exactly the same as the winner. Good. So I'm lethal and only four turning up here means this probably can't be rated very highly by by that measure. So it won't be upgraded. Um, but the interesting thing about rating it is that you obviously have less touch points to, to go on, so there's more uncertainty, if you like, in, in rating the race. And then we've got a steady tempo to, to add to that a little bit. But if you lay it over history, it sort of supports a rating around 119 for Mazu. But if you look at the form, the, the, the number that best describes it is much higher than that. So um, actually 125 is not that good. Um, split the difference 122, but we we rate him 122 with a degree of uncertainty because um, it's obviously a, a small field, low pressure race. But he does have a nice big bulk of wins underneath him just to back that figure up now. And as I said, there's some there is other touch points backing that figure up with interest as well. So um, 122, I was having a look at it. So he's in the this has put him right in the conversation for best three-year-old going around. I mean, Home Affairs is the best sprinting three-year-old. Who's that, mate? I thought it was a Totsu or Animo. Well, Home Affairs is, is the best three-year-old in the country now. Who's Home Affairs? <laughs> yeah. Everyone's forgotten. But I think Marzu's next. By my ratings, Home Affairs, Animo, it might be him. I make Marzu the third best three-year-old in the country. Thoughts? Well, you were saying this morning the trouble with Totsu is that his form doesn't do much for him. No, he's more... You know, I was saying before, this this meeting didn't give me the feels of... He's more about how he's achieved things rather than what he's achieved. Yeah. Dusting Benno and dusting Bonza Perla is, is not actually great form. It's a feel thing. But from a ratings perspective, you can't with Hitotsu. But you know he's better than that. Like I suspect you're not, he's better than that. But yeah, there's not actually... I mean, we've rated him to the best of what the results... Can allow offer you us. To. Yeah. 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 We can only rate what's put in front of us. And, you know, he won the derby in, in Melbourne like an absolute bomb. And he's won his two races this time in with, you know, set up scenarios that were you know, unconventional. And, and so we're all excited about the way he did it and, and how versatile he was to go from quick ground mile to heavy ground 2400. But ratings don't describe that. They We're just describing the form. Um, and it's not as good. It's not, I mean, it's not as good as Mazu. No. Sprinting, I mean, and the other thing is the further you go in Australia, the worse the race, as a general rule. So the derby might be the group one and you know, the sprint race, the listed sprint on the cards usually about as good. I mean, the Oaks was won by your patroness running 
basically listed group three number. And she doesn't. She looks I, I think she was the weakest Oaks winner, Bass. Is it Sophia Rosa mm. in the last ten years? And Wilbur, I don't think that's much form. Do you think the Oaks is much form? Don't tell that to our man Jake Altairi, the gun. Back the winner. Back the winner for the Punnets Podium on Saturday. Yeah, I don't think that's any form. No. Like the the Oaks winner, right, should be we should be pricing her up now, penciling her up and what price for the Caulfield Cup? No price. Yeah, I don't. I mean, she's got a price. <laughs> Obviously, but <laughs> is there a price you'd be willing to take? No. Yeah, probably not. I'm not, I'm not interested in her at this yeah. stage. No. Whereas I think, yeah, Hitotsu is one that he's at the forefront for, you like to think, our better races in the spring. You'd hope so. Mazu, a chance of going to the 10,000, which looking at the early market, big parade, Isotope will be there in the Congo overpass. Paleli, Rothfire, where he's at. So really, nothing Rothfire. Nothing really scary there if that's what's going to turn up. The big dogs aren't going to be there. Nature Strip, Eduardo, they both pulled the pin. Yeah, I mean, he can absolutely win that. Cause that's, I mean, I'll be going. If our, and let's be honest, it's our best guess, but we're not miles out. If 122 is right about Mazu, that's turn up, repeat it, and win the Doom in 10,000, right? Mm. That's better than what Big Parade or Isotope can do. In the Congo, I think your theory has legs. Maybe he makes it more interesting, but that looks the race overpass a little bit behind them, but competitive and we've got another Dunno coming up there with Rothfire. Oh, yeah. What are we going to do with that? That's a close-your-eyes job. Yeah, who knows. I hope he comes. That would be great for the carnival up there if he, um, if he can come back, but it seems like a big ass now. Circling back to the Taylor Penrith Award winner, Kieran McAvoy, I feel like he's riding, you know, well below what we would expect of Kieran. That's feel. And sometimes you got to actually look at the numbers and say, am I being unfair? But then looking at Kieran's last three months, 137 runners for 12 wins, so a 9% strike rate, expected wins of 17. So falling well short there. And in reference to his general form, last year, 586 runners, 66 wins and 67 expected wins. So pretty much rode to the market for a year, which is, you know, why he's one of the better jockeys we have. And last two years, 1,193 runners, 128 wins for 137 expected wins, so 93%. So when you're looking at that, he's riding well below what we would expect. And the big wet in Sydney, maybe Kieran needs to get to Brisbane. Some dry tracks. Dry tracker. He's a dry tracker. We'll get some wet track advice from he needs Sammy Glipperton. He needs to speak to Clippo. And on that, around the grounds. Yeah, oh, should we... We probably don't need to mention the Sydney Cup, do we? No. Do you know this century? Only I, I'll mention this on the Sydney Cup. We'll give it one point. Yep. This century, I couldn't help but I wasn't even looking it up. I just couldn't help but notice that there have been two Sydney Cup winners that have won again in the twelve months and the season that followed that have won a feature race in the season that followed. The offer did come back after injury a couple of years later and win a Bendigo Cup. Gallic won a Mooney Valley Cup and Maccabi Diva. Every other Sydney Cup winner in those. What's it, 23 runnings now since 2000? Has not won again. And I does Knight sort of fit the bill? Probably. I'd say, I mean, well, he gets weighted out of everything now, doesn't he? Well, he gets weighted as a uh, Group 1 winner for running nowhere near. I mean, I think my personal view is he matched his Brisbane Cup effort and half the field failed again. The pivot point here is Cup Fever. Good horse car. I mean, absolute hat tip to him. But... um. Yeah, no, it's not much form. I wouldn't have thought. I mean, he beat four horses home in the Melbourne Cup last year. He could double that this time. 
then. I think in summary, the the only horse you'd take, the only horses you'd take out of Saturday form-wise would be the Arrowfield in terms of making money soon. Yeah, Bella Nipotina will go over to Adelaide and be competitive. I mean, Bella Nipotina best September run and away game. They're all What's that? They're the same. What's that? They're all the same horse. Um, yeah, around the ground. So best at, best time figure at Randwick was actually Nimalee. <laughs> no comment. No comment. We'll move straight on then to Caulfield. So the best time at Caulfield was Scissor Step, 105, and he had run really well behind Generation at the Valley on Cox Plate Day in a fast race. That was the fast race. So Generation ran about 110, and I thought that was the – to me, Generation looked like it had probably come in a bit of a, a rush for him, and they hadn't quite sorted it out. But come the autumn, this will be a good horse, Generation. I'll sort this out. This is a fast time on Cox Plate Day. Good stable. Look out. Um, I think he's going to sail on Friday. <laughs> it is a half million dollar race. I shouldn't be so condescending. And he did win first up and he's useful, but he's still running about the same level. He hasn't gone on with it. But Scissor Step has come back and run really well. So um, I don't know. Early markets. Do they have early markets these days for the Euclays? I don't even think they call it the Euclays anymore. We'll have a quick spin around. Oh, yeah. Open it up. He just, you'll see very few Euclays trials as promising as that. Absolutely stank of Euclays, which, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not even called that anymore. It's a three-year-old race on probably the week before the Goodwood. Unfortunately, no early markets, but get set at Adam Bet. Yeah, these are the races they should be betting early on. These are the interesting ones. I'm surprised they don't have a market for that race at sale on Friday. It actually looks a ripping race off norms. That's probably why they haven't priced it up. It's too hard. It's good money. I'm looking forward to it. Big bowl of prawns and... The Discovery from Sale. The Inferno, hopefully back. Can't yep. not wait. Uh, up to Doombin now, fastest speed figure of the day in Brisbane. This is interesting. Natuno, we say Natuno, Natuno, Natuno. Natuno. Remember the name. It's a carnival. It's, I, I'm not up to date with the news up there. I'll have to um, tune into the X Factor with Nathan Exelby to get to get up on the uh, the news up there at the moment. But... um. That's pretty fast, 102 speed figure. So that's that's a stakes horse. So when is the when do we get really rolling up there? Two yeah. weeks? Are we are we that close? Are we sort of um, two or three weeks from the Gold Coast where there'll be a listed horse, listed two year old race, and then probably two weeks on to the Champagne, which is the start of their Triple Crown up there. Um, well, ten thousands on the 14th. This is I'm invincible out of a Galileo mare. So I'm saying substance. Yeah, well, it's not a. Um, not a squib. It's not a thousand or twelve hundred meter bullet, potentially. Potentially, it's it is an Atkins horse, and if it is an Atkins horse, running one hundred and two here over twelve hundred in this early April is plenty good enough to be on the right path. I mean, obviously the Atkins takes more winning, but you don't have to be running faster than this yet. And the handbrake on. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, was that right? Mm. Look, flash as well. Yeah, they tend to when they win by five. It was over at the two hundred. I mean, it's a dollar thirty, right? Yeah, so yeah. X one is expected, but mm. killed him. No, it's nice to see that when you see the. It's all well and good to be a dollar thirty and look pretty, but it's nice to see that bit of guts beneath the form there. Uh, and then Adelaide, there's a couple of good races in Adelaide. The Aurora was a, a good race, um, but they was and Harley Moven looked terrific winning the Port Adelaide Guineas, but they were both slowly run. Particularly the Port Adelaide Guineas was farcical, but neat turn of foot the mm. winner. But the slow paces in, in both of those races holds them back from being the best because I'm not. Considering pace here at all, I'm not making allowances for any of that. I'm just straight up speed figure. I'm going full Andy Byer. 
That's where we're at. Who's run the fastest? My mate Sonny has run 95, and that was the quickest overall time on the card in a benchmark 76 over a mile, uh, and he's thoroughly exposed. And I wouldn't think he's probably going to make you any money, but the slowly run races look the races to follow there. And Yeah, my whispers are Frankel Philly who won the, the Phillies race there, and she was um, – it was a triumph for sectionals over form. So the sectional boys will be absolutely thrilled because she'd been um, – Ripping home at Sandown and promised to be this good. She ran 102 was the rating. Um, she's promised to be even better than that. And Bonza Perla was the form horse because she has that close-up third in the Australian Guineas, which should be winning races like that if Itotsu is as good as home affairs. But he ain't. Well, hang on. Hang on. Hang on. His, yeah. fo- his form ain't. He isn't rated. Yeah. His form isn't as good as home affairs and Bonza Perla getting dusted here. Albeit running well, and she's a nice filly, but she's um. I was saying to you before, her Australian guineas running on my stuff makes I've got best three-year-old fillies in the country: Fangirl one, Hinge two, Espiona four. Bonza Perla, third best filly in the country. I don't think a lot of people. I don't know, maybe they do, but I don't think a lot of people believe that. Get your hand off it, Daryl. <laughs> it was made for that, wasn't it? Uh, and then we'll continue edging west. To Ascot, where is it Express Time ran 105 time mm. figure over there? Talk me through it and probably touch on the derby as well. Yeah, always. First race always got to be a bit wary, but looks to have ran good time. All similar form, which is always a bit not how you're going, but similar horses. But yeah, look, time looked great, stacked up well on the day. The two year old actually ran fairly decent time as well, comparatively, which haven't seen a lot of this season, which is always nice. The derby, obviously, Chicks of the Trade was disappointing not given the best year but he's still better than that i actually make his first up win the best of his prep so he destroyed him over 1200 and they've got him to a derby so credit to the stable for him to be able to perform from 1200 out to while he failed on the weekend his run prior was very good and the winner one of the highest rated derby winners we've seen alaskan god put them all on the bounce and i'd imagine they're looking at coming over this way and looking at the historical trends of the derby, he's in a different mould to the Cerise and White derby winners we've seen, who were stretched to 24 and did it on, I, I know you hate saying this, but class, <laughs> whereas he actually looks a stayer. Yeah. Well, Regal Power, I, off the top of my head, I'm only, I can only think of one derby winner, and that was Regal Power. Um, and he just did it with a massive burst of late speed in a absolute crawl mm. so he basically showed himself to be a really good miler over a mile and a half in the derby which i'm feeling as mentioned chicks of the trade flopped on the weekend but i reckon they get him back next prep and they keep him short of a mile well you know he's a serious horse as is the winner very interesting to see which way they plot the course with him the bruce mcavania award winner this is it's always fun this time of year this is when the sydney carnival wraps up Everyone's sort of blockbuster. Everyone's over it. We head to Brisbane. But blockbuster this, fatigue. Blockbuster fatigue. But this is when Adam starts to get the spring in the step. The flat season is back on in the UK. He stops talking about racing in Melbourne pretty much. And it all heads that way. And I'd imagine we're going to get a few winners over in the UK and Ireland in the coming months. And <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I'm talking about Bruce McAvaney award winners. Ah, okay. Yeah, I mean... God, I hope we find a few winners. They'll be disappointed if we don't find any of that. But you've got one 
from Aiden. He'll be heading to a derby trial somewhere. That is just so exciting. Yeah, so that's it's it's kicked off over there. There was group races there last night. Scaletti, the old boy, was was back won the Harcourt at Longchamp, and you wouldn't believe it. Group race in France, farcically run. <laughs> How do you rate that stuff? It's very hard, and you need you need to change the way you need to transform the margins if you want to make it more um, predictive. I find. Well, I don't find. It's absolutely true. Um, but Scaletti was actually brilliant. He came from the tail and a big burst of speed to to round up Sealaway, who was the champion stakes winner of, of last year. So that's that's good form. And in fact, he was probably a contender to knock think it over off the top rated horse of the weekend. I haven't actually fully dissected that race yet, other other than just skimming over the sectionals and thinking, wow, that's a um, that's a big win. Mayor Australis was in there, so it's substance. That's probably about as big. Scaletti would be as good as think it over. So. That is, that's good form. But, yeah, we need to find something a little bit fresher on the scene than seven-year-old Scaletti, good as he is. Um, the best maiden winner, as I said, we've, two weeks I reckon we've been just seeing them start to kick off over there. And Aiden has – he often gets these horses beaten first time out, but he's unleashed one in, in Stone Age there last week at Navin. Galileo, would you believe it? Galileo, three-year-old Colt. He was actually a maiden in five as a two-year-old, but the way he was campaigned was – he was campaigning like a good horse, basically. And he ran 106 time, figured his third start, just found one better on Irish Champions Weekend. Then he was pitched over to France for a couple of group one races on heavy tracks, ran second in one of them. So he's he's got form to turn up to a maiden. He was obviously he was one to three. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> they knew, and he won by nine. So he wasn't subtle about it. But the clock backed that right up. So 108 time figure, first up, he'll explode off that second up as well. He'll be much better, and he'll go to a derby trial. Which one? I have no idea, but... Um, if they're all conceding in fitness off that and off that figure, he's more likely to run deep into the teens than not, I would think. Um, so he's going to be a big derby trial player. The other one I mentioned over in Ireland as well, just kicking off this week, that's got my attention a little bit, was um, a filly of Dermot Wells called Homeless Songs, who won a 1,000 guineas trial over there, which I don't know, didn't look up to a, a, a lot. Um, and those races often aren't up to much. But she ran 108 time figure as well, same number. Um, and then you just look at her profile. So she won a maiden and then went straight into the Moigler, straight into a group one and started nine to four. Whoa. Yeah, she ran fifth and was okay, and her form has sort of worked out a bit, and then she's turned up first up this prep and gone bang at Leopardstown there. So I don't know what Dermot's thinking with her, but, um, well, I do know what he's thinking with her. Where's the group one that I'm going to smash to pieces with this thing, whether it's Newmarket or the Curra or both? Don't know. But she's... um. That's a pretty good start. So yeah, they're um they're getting going over there. We're starting to see times like that spit out on the flat over there. So that's exciting. Yeah, I think what we'll do week to week now is we'll get Adam's Europe Black Bookers going, and so <laughs> there we? we will because you have a good knack with this. And so there to to go into the Black Book. Remember, it is free at racing and sports. Oh, yes, just join up. All you got to do is sign up for free, and you can use our Black Book service, which we are enhancing in the coming months. Hoping to add a few new features to it. Well, we will be adding a few new features to it. But the most important part of a black book is having good horses in it. And Adam will be doing his best to Absolutely give you those. Absolutely no good having a black book with no good horses in it. No. And uh, which is mine at the moment. But we're <laughs> going to be building on that into the UK. And hopefully we'll be finding plenty of winners uh, heading towards Royal Ascot. Thanks, guys. Tune in on Friday. Cheers.